Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. As an active CEO, my goal is to build and sustain world-class organizations that make a positive impact on the lives of employees and on the global community. Although I've spent nearly a decade doing leadership consulting, I know I still have a lot to learn. And I have a lot of questions regarding how we can continuously get better and achieve our goals. Through this podcast, we reach out to top thought leaders and business leaders to get answers to those questions. And we give you the opportunity to listen to their answers too. This episode is on how to leverage being remote to actually improve engagement and performance and how to drive engagement and performance with either an entirely remote team or a hybrid. My guest today is Liam Martin. Liam is a serial entrepreneur who runs Time Doctor and Staff.com. And is, uh, Time Doctor is one of the most popular time tracking and productivity software platforms in use by top brands today. He is also a co-organizer of the world's largest remote work conference, Running Remote. Liam, obviously, is an avid proponent of remote work and has been published in Forbes, Inc., Mashable, TechCrunch, Fast Company, and many other publications specifically to discuss the power of and the expansion of remote work. Liam has also co-authored a book, ironically called Running Remote, Master the Lessons from the World's Most Successful Remote Work Pioneers. So I am very excited to hear his unique insights on how to drive engagement and performance with remote teams. Liam, thank you very much for joining me today on Business Leadership Today. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to be able to get into this uh, in our pre-interview <laughs> process. I think we went pretty deep on some, some issues connected to where we currently are at right now with regards to remote work. And it's such an interesting time for someone that's been in the space for 20 years. I find it so exciting to see what's going to be coming down the pipe in the next like six to 32 months. Oh yeah. The sky's the limit. Who, who knows how things are going to how things are going to turn out. Actually, I'm sure you have some predictions. Maybe we'll get into that. So mm -hmm. in, in a moment, Liam, uh, I've asked you to share what you think are five really big ideas, important ideas for how we can drive high levels of engagement and performance with remote teams. And I'm going to ask you to share those in a moment. Before we do that, can you kick us off with, there's a story you share that I, I think very few people are going to believe when they hear this. So you have several remote team members that you've never, literally never met. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and some of them, I think you mentioned one, you've never even had a video conversation with, but there's one in particular you've known for six years and you've only met her five times via video or in person. And yet things are working. So can you tell me about that? Sure. So we have team members in 43 different countries all over the world. And we are what's called a remote asynchronous organization. And inside of those organizations, there's really just one core barrier. And this really comes from the remote pioneer movement, which I call kind of like pre-COVID. There was a small community of committed business owners that really wanted to be able to build distributed companies. And the one major restriction that they had from building truly distributed companies was that synchronous communication is incredibly difficult. When you have people mm. all over planet earth, you can't actually interact with them in the same way that you would as if they're all in the office. So they built a methodology a methodology that I call asynchronous management, which is the core tenant that all of these remote first companies were implementing before the pandemic. And then obviously when everyone went remote uh, during the pandemic, the world completely changed. February 
of 2020, we were at 4% of the U.S. workforce working remotely. And by March, it was 45% of the U.S. workforce working remotely. That's the biggest shift in work since the Industrial Revolution. But the Industrial Revolution took about 80 years, and we did that in March. (laughs) So it was a complete shift of everything that everyone knew about how to work. But unfortunately, the vast majority of those people, they didn't necessarily embrace remote work the way that the remote pioneers had been doing for the last couple decades, but they simply recreated the office at home. Mm. Um, So to our point, I mean, I have interacted with, and I've had so many friends of mine that have team members that that we interact with day in, day out, asynchronously, but we never actually meet synchronously, meaning on video or on audio or in person. Um, Now that doesn't mean that we don't actually meet up synchronously, like asynchronous organizations. There aren't, I have not found a completely asynchronous organization, but fortunately for us, it allows for an organization to scale past anything that you would see inside of a brick and mortar organization. And there's a lot of reasons kind of connected to that, which I touch on in the book and we're gonna hopefully talk about in this podcast. Yeah, I hope so. So I think that's kind of a nice segue into the five big ideas you want to share. So if you could share maybe just a sentence or so on these five big ideas, and then I think we'll we'll try to go deep on at least two, maybe three of them. Uh, but I know the first one you want to talk about is asynchronous work. Sure. So really the core piece is when we think about asynchronous work, we have to move and shift our mindset to an asynchronous mindset and mm. asynchronous management being the core of that. So that's a that's a big cornerstone of the way that remote teams, successful remote teams operate. And then to unpack that, you really have to focus on processes. We call them democratized workflows. So the ability mm. to be able to have information be the manager as opposed to actual physical people doing the management of those particular individuals. The second one is autonomy, being able to have workers be free to be able to choose their own paths. I generally always tell my staff, don't ask me what to do, tell me what you did. And Mm. that's a really important insight to be able to make sure that you are on the right path with regards to remote work. Then also making sure that the actual platform is the manager and not necessarily the individual. And then lastly, I think for all of us, it's just being able to actually get back to remote work. So we moved from working in an office, then we moved to working from home, but we actually completely skipped over working remotely, which is working in an office, working from home, working from a coffee shop, working from a co-working space, working from a laptop anywhere on planet earth. That's truly remote work. And unfortunately we didn't necessarily have that. I kind of call it emergency remote work uh, or, or remote at gunpoint uh, is what we've experiencing over the last two years. And I'm very excited to be able to get back to the real remote work that I've enjoyed for decades. Yeah, me too. This is, you know, you'd mentioned that there was kind of this early wave of leaders who wanted to create this intentionally before COVID began. I'm in that camp, actually. You know, I, I saw the value in, wow, what if you told employees, hey, when you work with us, you can live anywhere you want. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be working in Brazil, that's fine. You know, just as long as you, as long as you achieve what you need to do, we're good. 
Uh, and you know, it just opens so many doors for so many different people who maybe don't necessarily want to come live in the city where you're headquartered or whatever. So it's just, to me, it's another way of adding value for employees. So I'd like to talk on all of these. I'm not sure if we're going to have time, but let's start off with the, the most important one, which is just this whole different way of thinking about work, which is, and mo- most importantly, the communication that is driving, uh, the, the work sure. and, and it's asynchronous communication. So let, let's go. Yep. Let's go a little bit deep on here. So, for people who haven't really thought through this uh, much, you know, what's like? Could you just go a little bit deeper into some of the differences between asynchronous and synchronous communication? And then, what are you seeing? Like, how, how are people doing this in a way where you can actually communicate effectively asynchronously? You're still engaging people. People are still feel like they're part of a team. They're still engaged. Um, despite the fact that you're, you're never literally syncing up like you and I are right now. Mm. So the first one is when you think about asynchronous management and communication versus synchronous communication, I like to harken back to, I don't know how you, how old you are, Matt, but I remember, um, not having Netflix or Amazon prime or any of these kind of streaming services. And I remember Friday at 8 30 PM, if I wasn't at the TV at exactly 8.30 p.m., I would end up missing Friends, which was, or Seinfeld, actually. I remember way back in the day, I really enjoyed Seinfeld. And you wouldn't, if you showed up 45 minutes or 15 minutes late, you'd miss the first half of that episode and you'd have to wait an entire year for the reruns to be able to pop up and watch them again. So that's synchronous communication. And then Netflix is asynchronous communication. It allows for people to be interrupted and consume information when they choose. Mm -hmm. And we're just simply extrapolating this inside of basically an organization as opposed to, you know, watching Netflix or hopefully that you keep all your episodes of Friends um, targeted. Now, in, in terms of just engagement and communication, what most of the remote teams pre-pandemic recognized was if we have teams all over planet earth, we have to pay a sunk cost every single time we collaborate. So every Mm -hmm. time we collaborate synchronously, we all have to jump on a zoom call. We all have to get prepared for a meeting, you know, 10 or 15 minutes beforehand, but inside of office environments, which are primarily synchronous. And by the way, asynchronous management can be applied to an in-office environment just as much as it can be applied to a remote environment. This is something that I'm very excited about trying to test on, you know, in-office environments where you're not going to have as many distractions anymore. You're going to be able to effectively work asynchronously, just like you did when you were working at home. Yeah. But when you work in an office, everyone pays that sunk cost. So everyone pays 90 minutes on average of their time to be able to come to a single place. And then when you get to that single place, you say to yourself, it's a collaboration buffet <laughs> as much <laughs> collaboration as you want, you can do in that particular space. Remote teams, however, have recognized that we can use an a la carte method. We can collaborate when we need to synchronously, but then the vast majority of our communication can actually be done asynchronously, which allows for the real theoretical framework that a lot of remote pioneers have used, which is my friend Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, which Mm. is effectively the ability for anyone 
to be able to have everything at their disposal to solve very difficult problems. If you can solve difficult problems faster than your competitors, I don't care if you are, you know, drawing, if you're a concrete installer, I got a guy across the street from me that's putting in a basement, or if you're Google, you're going to actually beat out your competitors because innovation is really the key to success in the 21st century business world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so one thing that I'm, I'm thinking here, you know, is, all right. So, you know, there's some human connection with coworkers is an important part of work, right? So if, if all communication is asynchronous, and I know you've, you've mentioned there was, there was one particular engineer you have on your team who's mm-hmm. turned out great, who you've never even had a video call with. Um, are you, is, is some of the asynchronous synchronous communication video so that you can, even though you're not talking real time, there's still that human connection where you're seeing like, oh, there's Liam's face. I, I can see his emotion behind what he's saying. Is that, a, is that an important part of this uh, from your view? It definitely is to a degree. I think when you think about remote first organizations, you have to remove the concept of management and replace it with leadership. So in my study of approximately, well, more than $12 billion plus remote first organizations that were remote before the pandemic, one of the most interesting insights that I found is their managerial layer was about 50% thinner than their on-premise counterparts. Mm. So there are more people doing work in asynchronous remote organizations, then there are people managing people doing work because Mm. the actual management mechanics is run by the platform. It's run by the project management system. It's run by the documentation that you have inside of your organization. Uh, So it allows for you to really focus on EQ issues. Like I have meetings with my team members. We don't talk about work because the vast majority of those things, to be honest with you, are not really what holds people back from doing a really good job at their job. Absolutely. It's, I have a conflict with one of my coworkers. I have a conflict in my family. I have a conflict with some of my friends or my children. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I ended up having a chat with one of my direct reports and she talked about how her family dog had recently died and her two children were taking it very badly. Mm -hmm. I think they were like six and nine as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the solution for that? Well, instead of me looking at her metrics, because I already knew what her, all her metrics were, because it's all documented inside of our systems and automated, I could instead really focus on, well, why don't we get like a betterhelp.com to be able to jump on with your kids and see how they can deal with this? Because I know that that's probably really stressful on you. And that's the real way to be able to boost that person's productivity, that extra 10 to 20% that ends up producing dividends long-term in my opinion. So forget about management, focus on leadership. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. The more you can get management out of the human interaction and just have it managed by a platform, I I think the better that, as you mentioned, that frees up leaders to do what is really important, which is what does my team need to thrive? What's, what's Mm. getting in the way of them thriving both professionally and personally. So my question there though, is like, just as a follow-up is like, so that's a perfect example. So you have someone who's, who's probably a little anxious because her kids are really uh, upset about the loss of a, of a family pet or mm-hmm. maybe in a, in a different situation, it's even more serious loss of, loss of a loved one. So when you're having this communication about helping her, are you doing that face-to-face or is it at least like you recorded a video to say it, or is this just literally via email and chat? So sometimes it's face-to-face and 
generally you need face-to-face to be to open up the EQ side of the conversation. We have something, mm. a phenomenon that a lot of remote first companies implement, which is called silent meetings. So every single week uh, we have a standing meeting with our executive team and we're not going to have it tomorrow because we put down all of our issues that we need to address in that particular meeting. So we don't talk about metrics. No one brings us through how our numbers were because that's all documented and it needs to be reviewed before you actually jump into that meeting. Mm. But what we do look at is issues. And if and we communicate and we address those issues asynchronously. So we'll put in comments and sometimes we'll have 40, 50 comments on a particular issue. But if we come to a conclusion, we take that conclusion, we post it at the top of the ticket, and then we complete the ticket. And if we have less than three issues per week, we don't have the meeting. (laughs) And that allows for number one, everyone, those seven executives that all make, you know, six figure salaries, it allows them to be able to get 90 minutes back per week. But the other interesting phenomenon that I found is the issues that stick around have nothing to do with the operation of the business or how, you know, the, there's no technical issue there. It's almost entirely relationship issues. Mm. Uh, It is, Hey, someone else has an issue with another person inside of the organization and we need to be able to address it. And sometimes it's not as direct as that. Obviously you have to kind of go underneath that to be able to get to the core of it. But again, that's what really focuses, at least for me, making sure that I'm engaging in a leadership capacity and not necessarily a managerial capacity. Because I'm sure you've been in companies where it's like, I give Matt my numbers, Matt gives his manager my numbers, that manager gives the boss my numbers. (laughs) Inside of asynchronous organizations, we try to make sure that everyone has the same informational advantage as the CEO of the company. So when you join the company, you get access to our PL, you get access to all of our customers, how much they're making, you get complete and open honesty. There are no undocumented conversations inside of our organization and everyone has access to all conversations, save for salary levels of employees. That's the only thing that we hold back. Mm. And it allows for us to number one, recognize that we're our employees really trust us because we're trusting them and we're giving them all this information. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, uh, when we need to make difficult decisions, almost everyone recognizes that that was the right decision to make. And if they all say it wasn't, then we actually reverse our decision. So it's kind of like leadership through democratized process. Although obviously if we need to make a decision, we make it. Even if um, people disagree, sometimes we do push forward those ideas. But very rarely do we have that type of resistance because everyone knows, oh, we actually have to trim the engineering team by 10%. Otherwise, we're going to be out of business in the next six months. Fantastic. Well, you actually alluded to the, to the next big idea there that I'd like to jump into, which is this idea of democratizing the processes that are actually the engine of the business, right? So can you tell me more about what you mean by that? And then also, how do we how do, we do this uh, effectively? Sure. So... If you don't want to buy my book, uh, a really good deep dive on that is E-Myth, uh, which is a fantastic book to break down the theoretical framework of what I'm talking about. But at a very simple level, all processes and sort of the inside of the organization should be documented and digitized so that you can actually never 
you never have to go to a manager to be able to get an answer to a problem that we've already addressed. Now, Mm. there are new innovative questions and problems that pop up all the time. And if they pop up, you know, more than a dozen times, it gets turned into a process uh, very quickly (laughs) and easily inside of our systems. But really for us, it's like, if you want to learn, I'll take you one short story. Um, We have a process on how to sign your emails. So your email signature. Why did we have that? Well, about eight years ago, uh, we had one of our team members who is Roman Catholic and quite devout and put down a Bible verse in their signature. And then we had a customer, a very important customer that um, emailed us back and was very angry and said, I'm an atheist and I do not want that type of signature to exist, you know, inside of, uh, of my email communication with you. And this person was in support. So we recognized at that point, wow, okay, well, we should probably build a process around how to actually set up that email signature. And we have everything that you could possibly think of internally. So there's no open-ended question. And effectively, again, the platform is the manager. The platform can answer the vast majority of questions that a new employee might have when they're onboarding or even when they're like two to three years into the business. Mm-hmm. So so where's the democracy part here? So where is where are the, the team members kind of building these processes without managers having to get involved? Because as you mentioned, you're trying to get people away from being managers to be leaders. And I, I imagine part of that is you're trying to allow employees to really own the process, right? And so that they Yeah, and, and that also boils into the autonomy. So inside of our process documentation, uh, we base it on the wiki system. So if you know Wikipedia, you go to any Wikipedia tab, you'll have information on, you know, you, Matt, as an example, oh, he went to this school and he did this and he did that. But then if you actually switch the tabs, you'll then see the debate about that document. So Mm. maybe they say, oh, well, you know, Matt went to NYU, Matt says he went to NYU here, but he actually didn't. He went to Harvard, um, something like that. And you see that debate occurring. So we have exactly the same thing. Uh, We actually have people that are set up in a way so that if you have a new process and you want to be able to implement that process, then you can absolutely do it without any problem whatsoever. uh, If everyone agrees with you inside of that, if basically the people Mm. that are building that process agree with you, and then we actually pay people out uh, for it. So we, it's a self organic process where if you build a new process, you get rewarded monetarily for building out that new process. And a lot of people love uh, being able to update processes because they get paid to do it. <laughs> I would imagine. And it's a great investment for you. This is something that Absolutely. I, I've noticed, you know, it's just, there's only a few way, things that really create leverage in a business, right? It's like you, you really improve your strategy that, that can create a lot of leverage. Um, you can improve processes that creates a lot of leverage where once you've changed that process, you don't have, it's not like, well, this isn't working. So let's hire more people, you know, or let's have people work more hours. That's not sustainable. Right. But if you just change the process, that's breaking the system, that's a one-time effort. That's now you don't, you don't need more people to run it. The process is improved. Uh, so it's awesome that, you know, you're going to get a great return on that. Why not compensate people for it? And I'm sure that incentivizes people to be actively looking for how do we fix processes that aren't allowing us to do great work, right? Is that kind of what you're saying? 
Yeah. And it's also, so the manager ends up becoming the barrier. So let's say you have a SaaS <laughs> product that ends up becoming incredibly successful. And tomorrow, instead of having, you know, 10 deals coming in per day, you have 10,000 that are coming in per day. Well, how do you actually scale that process? Well, if you had one salesperson beforehand, that salesperson at max can probably train three people, right? Uh, well, but if you have processes built into that system, if effectively the platform now becomes the manager, then that single manager could probably train 20 people at the same time and say, you need to go through these training processes. We need to be able to drop you in on calls. Um, we'll use technology to be able to make sure that all of your metrics are accounted for, your CRM. Your, we use a fantastic tool for sales called gong.io, which mm. actually records a call and will tell you through machine learning whether or not you're winning or losing a deal live uh, on the call, which is really, really cool because it's looking at these little variables like how much is the customer talking versus you talking? What right. questions are they asking? That kind of stuff. So these technologies are available and then you can scale that individual. So really when I think about asynchronous teams, it's the ability to be able to scale really good ideas. Um, mm. The ideas, couldn't, there's probably no real advantage or not a significant advantage between synchronous and asynchronous when you think about your zero to 10 employees. But if you think about 10 to 100 and 100 to 1,000, asynchronous processes and management is absolutely the way to go for true scale. It's very meta. This is very meta. This is like the whole idea around a nice SaaS um, solution, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah you, could, you could go go around and consult with people one-on-one -on -one, or you could create a software that fixes it for them, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. So you're, you've mentioned several times about allowing the platform to be the manager instead of the manager. So can you tell me more about that? So what, what do you mean by that? And, and how, how do people develop such a platform and execute with it? Yeah. So when I think about project management systems or our processes, uh, we use another tool called Trainual for a lot of our process documentation. We use a tool called Asana for our project management systems. We use mm -hmm. uh, a tool called Jira for our engineering project management. These are all platforms. And when you kind of, you kind of have to almost think about them as like an office, right? Mm -hmm. So I step inside of your Asana board as an example, and whatever you're using, Basecamp, Trello, doesn't really matter what it is. It's all the way to be able to very quickly and easily communicate information to a significant amount of people instantaneously. Mm -hmm. So I can write that information down in Asana. I can say, hey, I'm going onto a podcast with Matt uh, tomorrow. And I'd really like to be able to figure out, is this someone that I should really go onto a podcast with? Um, you know, I've, uh, or how should I prepare for that particular podcast? Well, then I can have other collaborators that can come in and when they're ready, they can actually collaborate on that task as opposed to me interrupting them, uh, with a zoom call <laughs> as right. an example. Right. The thing that I always tell people is your job as a manager, in my opinion, is to be able to remove barriers to focus from your direct reports. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I believe in the vast majority of cases, you are the biggest barrier to <laughs> their focus. And yeah. so by getting yourself out of the way and 
allowing them to be able to collaborate with you when they, when it's most opportunistic for them. It allows you to speed up the organization as opposed to speeding up yourself. So if you require immediacy for anything, you really have to ask yourself, do I need the answer to that question right now? Because right. when I message Matt as an example on Slack and say, hey, can we jump onto Zoom for a quick 15 minutes? Yes, it sped you up, but it's actually sped the other person down pretty significantly. And that on mass creates a very slow moving organization, which isn't really remote work. It's just recreating the office. Fantastic. Uh, Liam, this has been, this has been fantastic. I'm so glad this is recorded because otherwise I would have been scribbling down notes at light speed, trying to keep up, uh, not only because you're, you're, you have a lot of ideas that you can express very quickly, but because there's so many good ones in there. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today here on business leadership today. Thanks for having me. All right, for, my friend, if you'd like to learn more about, uh, Liam's upcoming book, it's called running remote or just about his work in general, you can visit runningremote.com. And we'll also have a link to that in the show notes at businessleadershiptoday.com. Uh, as always, I'd like to send a shout out to Caleb West, uh, who produces the podcast and I think does a fantastic job. Thank you, Caleb. And for you, my friend, the listener, uh, until the next time I have a chance to hopefully help you in some way, I wish you great success building and sustaining a world-class organization that makes a positive impact on the lives of your team members and on our global community. Bye for now.